seem extra dry, sealed up, or even hard because water finds its place and it produces hope and life. So, come on up. Be here. Ah. Yeah. I guess I have to kind of show up, you know. <laughs> oh, God is so good. I am just overwhelmed by what He's doing in this place and each in each one of our lives. This is uh, going to be a word that hopefully makes sense because it's Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, he makes sense, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, he does. And as we're surrendered vessels to what he wants to do in our lives, he speaks some things that come out of us that we didn't expect. He takes us to places where we thought we would never go. He brings us into encounters with individuals that we wouldn't seek out ourselves. And so as we step into this this morning... Father, we want to have your heart in this. Because in the end, our lives are all about you. Our lives are about stepping in to your presence. To be carriers of your presence. To go out into a lost and a dying world. And share your son. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory with everybody that we encounter. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in us. And as we enter into this Advent season and we anticipate the birth of Jesus, recognizing the birth of Jesus, remembering why he came to this earth, May that spur us on, Jesus. Into doing the things that you need us to do. Into pursuing your presence and hearing your voice. We welcome that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, being a teacher, which I never thought I would be, wasn't necessarily my plan. My plan was to be a social worker. 
which isn't a bad profession at all, because the Earth needs social workers. The Earth needs people who will help people. But being a teacher, sometimes uh, I take some joy in remembering some of the things that I learned when I was a kid. And often, people will come to me and say, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. It's just God. (laughs) Or, how can you teach this? And I say, well, God gives me the way to impart this to somebody. He, Holy Spirit reveals it to me of how I can reach each and every person, each and every student in my room. And I tell my students often that sometimes, you know what, I have to write stuff down so I remember it. It's inevitable every year that I have to remember the difference between the associative property and the commutative property in math. All right? I won't test you about what those are. (laughs) Some people are like wiping their brows like she's not going to call on me, praise God. But regardless, there are just some things that I need to be reminded of. And so God brought me to this term. It's the it's an English term, it's called oxymoron. Now I know this isn't a, a term that is totally unfamiliar to you. But it's one of those terms that I often have to look up because I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm using it correctly. Because I don't know, that's just me and my personality. Sometimes I just you know, want to be sure in what I'm doing. And so bear with me. An oxymoron, the the Greek word, the first half of this word is called oxus. And it means sharp. And the second half of the word comes from the Greek word moros which means dull or foolish. And so if you put those two words together in terms of a phrase, you get like a really weird concept, and it's called sharply dull. Now, for those of us, you know, that's just like the history of that word, oxymoron. But there are things that we use every day that are oxymorons, and we use them in our speech, which is basically two terms that contradict each other. Two words that are usually used back to back. And you've probably heard some of that before, like organized chaos (laughs) or cruel kindness or deafening silence. or a love-hate relationship. (laughs) Those are oxymorons, you know, that we use and that we might recognize in our day-to-day lives. And as I've been reflecting upon this, God was 
reminding me that the Holy Spirit was kind of the, not kind of, he's the author of the oxymoron. (laughs) Because if you look in God's word, there's many times where two terms will come together, two ideas or concepts will come together. And when you first read it or, or hear it, it's just kind of like, huh? You know, like, how can those things go together? But the cool thing about it is, is that when you take a second and you ask Holy Spirit to breathe on that and to think about it, it does make sense. You know, just about those terms that we use sometimes every day. When you hear somebody say something that's contradictory, you're just kind of like, hmm? But then, as you think about it, or if they give you some context into, you know, what that is, what experience is going on in their lives, it is, is creating that kind of tension. It makes sense. And so, with Holy Spirit being the chief author, architect of the oxymoron. There's themes throughout his word of the poor being rich, of losing everything to gain Christ, which is everything. That the humble will be exalted. You know, we've heard in the scripture that Jesus talks about the last being first and the first being last. That there's strength and weakness. And that there's life through death. And so, as I was contemplating on what to preach about this week, God, of course, gives gives me an oxymoron, and he gives me the phrase living sacrifice. And I'm thinking, what do I do with that? What does that even mean? And so, me being me, (laughs) what often helps me is being able to break things down. And so God's like, well, define what living is and then define what sacrifice is and bring those things together. So something that's living is something that's alive, it's, it's breathing, that it's moving. It has breath that requires air. Those of us who've been created in his image, there's thought, there's intelligence, there's wisdom in that. Sacrifice, it means to surrender something on the altar to suffer loss or to give up or or to renounce in some form of fashion so in Romans 12 1 this is going to be our scripture to, to think about or to ponder on this week or today it says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. That this is your true and proper worship. So a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a sacrifice has to cost something. It's an act of worship. And a living sacrifice means it happens over and over and over again. It's a surrendering And as the Holy Spirit has been downloading things to me this week, I had all this wonderful stuff that I was going to just toss at you. (laughs) Because I thought it was more wonderful than he did. (laughs) And I actually got up this morning and I... When I went to bed last night, take a step back. When I went to bed last night, I was like, God, I have all this stuff and I want you to put it together and I want you to make, I want you to help me make it make sense. And of course I slept on it and then I woke up and I still didn't have that right away. And that's okay. Because Holy Spirit was like, you know, you need to trust me in this. And the summary he gave for me, and it, it reminds me of what it says on the shampoo bottle. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Of course, the three words that I can give to you, and I'll explain it in just a little bit is inviting, surrendering, and repeat. So inviting him in and recognizing his presence. Surrendering it all every day. And doing what he asks you to do. And then repeat that. Every day, every hour, every minute, however it looks like through you in terms of a surrendered life to Jesus. So, over the years... I've often placed a lot of condemnation upon myself about what I should be doing or shouldn't be doing as a father of Jesus. Like I should be reading the Bible. And for the longest time, I had a hard time reading a Christian book because I had this mindset that if I can't even read the Bible... Why should I read this Christian book? Now that was legalism that God had to break me free from. And praise God that he has. And I can't tell you how happy I was when I did read my first Christian book all the way through. 
because God had freed me from that. Because there was much value in that. And so what I'm sharing with you in this context is God can do things in your life as you surrender each thing to him. And so when I'm talking about being a living sacrifice, I'm talking about inviting him in to every little thing. Inviting him in to that Christian book. Inviting him in to the things that you're doing each and every day. A few years ago, actually, I can remember this clearly. I was feeling that um, I wasn't really that connected with God. I wanted to be in his presence and I didn't really know how to get there. And I was getting ready for school and actually, um, I think Pastor Fred and Alyssa were on a missions trip in the Dominican And all of a sudden in the morning as I'm getting ready for school, I had this brilliant idea. Hey, why don't you listen to worship music? And I was like, huh. (laughs) That little thing has changed my world. Even though I'm getting ready for school or for work or for coming here. I put worship music on because it helps. I invite him in and it helps me get centered for what he wants to do in me that day. And that's just a couple examples from my life of how God has spoken to me about how to bring him into things. And Recently, he's brought me into another thing. And it probably was just a matter of timing. Is that his word never fails. And that he's brought me into a place where it's like, oh, well, I can take this time and and listen to this sermon. You know, like uh, when I'm making dinner or driving in the car or whatever. So there's like another layer that he was just like, hey, pay attention to this because there's good stuff going on here. And so lo and behold, I listened to a sermon this week by Chris Valentin, and it was about the presence of God. And he gave this quote from Bill Johnson And it just really, it's just one of those things that was kind of like, oh, thank you, God, because it was like one of those between the eyeballs moments. And this is the quote he gave from Bill Johnson, and he said, if everything in our lives isn't about the kingdom, we shouldn't be doing it. understand there's no condemnation on this word 
it's an encouragement. It's, it's a wake-up call. It's a recognition like, oh, God, what are you doing in me? Where are you taking me? What it is? What is it that you want me to be? And Chris went on to say that, you know, when we receive Jesus, there's no such thing as being secular anymore. And I'm like, huh. As we enter into the throne room, as we enter into the Holy holy of Holies, as we enter into communion with Jesus, that everything can be, if we allow it to, to be dedicated to God. And as we dedicate things to God in our lives... It's sacred. From the littlest thing to the biggest thing. Lives of living sacrifice are meant to look the same wherever we are. We don't necessarily do one thing here at church and have it change when we leave here. You know, some people, when when we come into worship and worship, I love worship and the music and the singing and all the on-your-face stuff. <laughs> I love it. But just sitting in the silence is also worship to Him. It's the recognition that God I'm giving everything to you. All that I am is yours. All that I have is yours. All that is before me, all the challenges, all the craziness, all the darkness maybe in my heart is yours. Because he knows it anyway. And so I had this experience this morning. <laughs> I had all these great intentions, you know, I'm going to get the word done and I'm going to be all powerful and all this stuff and pumped up to be here. And God had me put this song on that's playing in the background. It's called The First Love. He is our first love. He wants to be our first love. And so I just laid down on the carpet in our office. Nobody was awake except the cat. And I laid down and I started to cry. I was maybe two minutes into crying and then I panicked. Because <laughs> I couldn't find my phone. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> and that thought alone just grieved me just a little bit, Okay. I was interested in finding my phone. 
just for the time. But there were other time indicators in that room that I could go for. But there was like this panic that came over me like I had to find it. Which I did, but I was like, oh God, why is this thing more important than you? This is me now, okay? And I, was irritated with myself because I had a drawing and a longing towards that device over what the father wanted to accomplish in me at that moment. And don't get me wrong, I entered back in and God met me. And there's no condemnation of me panicking because I couldn't find my phone. But he wanted something more from me that I was willing to give in the sense that it didn't have to be attached to anything else but him. He wants to do that for you. He wants to meet you wherever you're at. And see, I was wrapped up in crying and feeling his presence. And then when I panicked and I couldn't find my phone, it just seemed like it left. But the truth is that it didn't. I was wrapped up in the feeling of feeling his presence. But his word says, woe, I am with you always. So we can come into worship, we can come into God's presence, whatever we're doing. And and I know that I've struggled at times and I focus on the feeling rather than the presence, rather than the truth and the belief and the knowing that he's there always. And so I know that as I had to be reminded of that today, I'm sure... Some of you had to be reminded of that too. Everything in our lives can be holy unto God. Whatever that may be. Teaching children, putting out fires, rescuing people. Strengthening people's legs and arms and other body limbs. Going out in the community. Being in the government. Making hot sauce. Computer things that I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Ministering in the nursing home. That's just as important to God as your holy time with him and just the simple interactions that you have with people. 
So it's not all just about feeling his presence. It's also believing and knowing and trusting him and his word. And so worship, living a life of living sacrifice, needs to be connected to what we what we do that we believe that what we do is kingdom and that worship is more than just an atmosphere that it's a lifestyle that the one thing Jesus is enough and this has been a prayer of mine off and on over the years is that Jesus father teach me what is it to live a life of worship And so if we don't believe that what we're doing is something that's dedicated and set apart from God, then it's not. If there are certain parts of our lives that we cut off from God and and we say, you can have this, God, but you can't have that, that part of your life is not worship unto him. And don't get me wrong, it's not like he doesn't know. He does. But there's a a measure of humility and vulnerability and trust that's involved. Because he's jealous for you. He wants so much for your eyes, for your gaze, for your attention to be upon him. For you to commune with him and say, you know what? And to be honest. And when things go horribly wrong and you say, God, I really screwed that up. He wants to be there to pick you up. He also wants to be there for your greatest joys. Whatever those are. He cares about what you care about. Football and all. At us and all. Whatever it is that he's placed upon your heart in terms of your mission, your calling, it's there. He's there. And he wants to be a part of it. Ephesians 5. 1 through 2, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Follow God's example. Follow Jesus. Walk in the way of love. Giving your life up to the way of love. And let me just say there's not a lack of people in this world for you to love. Now I understand that sometimes it's not easy to love people. Well, I take that back. Well, yeah, that, you. But... (laughs) 
sometimes yeah it's not easy to love people often I have said I don't have to like you but I do have to love you <laughs> but regardless wherever God takes us it's amazing the things that he will do and the people that he kind of uh, puts before us. And so I'm going to end this sermon by telling you a story of this encounter that Pastor Fred and Joshua and the Lloyds had this past Friday night. Now, this was an opportunity where we could share the love of God with somebody that in hearing his name alone you would assume oh this is going to be hard ground this young man was the best waiter I have ever had in my entire life His name is Abdullah. Abdullah. He has ancestors from Jordan. Abdullah is an Islam name. And I was so impressed by him that when I came home, I had to find out what his name meant. And his name means the servant of Allah. That is the Muslim God. And I, and let me say the Muslim God is not the same as our God. Let me qualify that. Okay. So Abdullah means the servant of Allah. And the moment we sat down at this restaurant, the Olive Garden, I'll reveal location later. (laughs) This young man loved on us. He served us. He said, if you're not getting your money's worth, tell me, and I'll make sure that you do. We left that restaurant with more food than we had even ordered (laughs) because he loved us so much he served us you know it's great to have those uh, servers you know that um, the second your drink runs dry the next one's on its way he he totally went above that and beyond and as we were driving home I said to Pastor Fred I go he treated us like we were kings and queens And so as we were, you know, partaking in the meal and and things were going super good, there were opportunities where Abdullah came to the table. And it was just amazing. You know, when someone's doing a good job, please tell them. And so every time he came to the table, we were so thankful and we said, you know what, thank you so much for doing that. 
I ended up calling him Buddy by the end of the night. <laughs> I said, thank you, Buddy, for, for bringing that to me. He was like, oh, it's my pleasure. It's so cool. He's like, it's good. And if on the first impression we had stopped and just took in his name and stopped there and figured, oh, this is going to be hard ground. God would not have opened the door for us to speak into things. And so it's amazing to me that his love and care for us also unlocked, and not that it had to be that way. I mean, God would have had his way regardless, but there's a measure of what he did for us that kind of connected our hearts to his. And so Pastor Fred had a, had a word for him that God was going to be visiting him in, in dreams, that Jesus, he was going to meet Jesus. And he had, uh, Fred had asked him, you know, are you a believer? And he said, no. He's like, I am a spiritual person, but I don't follow one religion. So he was open to the idea of hearing about Jesus. And when Fred stepped out and said that to him, he said, you know what? Other people have said that, that God was going to be meeting me in dreams. And so we had this opportunity to speak in confirmation that God is working in this young man's life. And so much so that it was overwhelming when we left that place. But I'm thinking as God can use this kid who doesn't even recognize Jesus as Savior to touch people in this world, how much more can he use us, his redeemed ones, for the purposes and the plans and the destiny that he set before us? And so I declare that Abdullah will be saved in the name of Jesus. Because he's going to be a powerful force. To not only to every customer at Olive Garden, but to every person that he touches. To his family. To his homeland. Oh God. It brings me to tears that somebody who could just have such love and care for us. I know it sounds stupid. (laughs) But to pour out the love of God, and that's what I would call it. It's pouring out. He poured out the love of God upon us. And he didn't even recognize it. How much more can we do that as a living sacrifice for Jesus? How much more can we go and take the kingdom for God? Bring kingdom for God. It humbles me 
we left that place and he invited us to come back. (laughs) He said, ask for me. Trust me, if we go back there, I'm asking for him. Because I want to see what God does in him. So I say all that to say, God will use you as a poured out broken vessel for him. Invite him into everything that you're doing. Invite him. Recognize him. Surrender and repeat. Oh, Father, we worship you. We thank you, God, that you are way bigger than any circumstance in our lives. We thank you, God, that you are good. We thank you, Jesus, that you use us in the most unusual places, that you meet us in these places through individuals that we thought we would never meet. I pray, Father, that as we move from this place tonight, And as we counter people, your creation, that we would share the love of God, that we would share you with those around us, Lord. That there would be no fear, that there would be no intrepidation, that we would not hesitate to say that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is is what brings us joy. Jesus is the only one who saves. Jesus is the one who has the answer for you. Father, we surrender our lives to you and we trust you and we know that you're doing good things. We know, God, that you are doing good things. We just bless you. In Jesus' name.